0: Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson and I'll be your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here, we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. If you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, we are back for another episode in our new members series. We've done several episodes. I believe this is entry number five. We've done one on the Lord's Supper, baptism, If Memory Serves Me, Eldership, and I think Church Membership, um, all last year. Those have been good, helpful episodes, and today I am joined by Patrick Covington and Jason Rowland, two of our elders here at Believers. Guys, good morning. It's early recording time. We're recording uh, on a Friday at 8 a.m. How are you guys
1: this morning? (laughs) Doing well. Doing well. It's a a Friday, and it's going to be a beautiful day. The weather is good, and so... Uh, Looking forward to the opportunities before us. Looking forward to this uh, episode. And let me just say this, the church membership um, series. um, New member series. New member series is um, hopefully going to be used by those who would be attending the new members class. And that as we address each of these subjects in the class then they're able to get another nuance, another feel for what's being said in the class. Perhaps it would fill in some of the gaps even that they might feel or questions that they have as we um, give them opportunity to, to listen to these podcast podcast episodes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we, we were thinking about this last year and uh, decided we needed to add something else to our new members class that sometimes feels rushed at times when we're trying to cover a lot of ground teaching through some of our distinctives and how can we utilize our podcast to serve folks who would be interested in joining the church. That's right. So this is another episode in that. So if you're listening today and you are not a member of Believers and you're curious, maybe you're attending the class right now, currently, or maybe you've already attended and you're going back and listening to these, this episode really is for you to hear the heart of some of our pastors here, um, specifically talking about a really important discussion today on the sovereignty of God in general, but also the sovereignty of God in salvation. And we're going to talk about some different theological categories, but also really from a pastoral point of view. We want to maybe address some, some thoughts and questions that you may have as a listener, maybe stuff that you're dealing with or wrestling with at, uh, even at this moment. So we hope this episode is certainly helpful for you. But before we ju- uh, jump into the doctrinal stuff, the theological stuff, we'll, we'll deal with all of this. Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit of your heart, Jason. Um, I've been here uh, now two years at Believers, and Patrick, you've been here quite a bit longer than that. Have you been here quite uh, 10 years yet?
2: No, not that long. I think seven or my eight maybe. And I are... <laughs> Year number seven? Okay, yeah, so
0: getting close to 10 years here. So you've been here significantly longer than I have. But Jason, uh, Believers is uh, just over 25 years old now as a church, so it's still relatively young and and a new church. I mean, in in the grand scheme of life, uh, we're not 100 years old, you know, 150 years old as some are. But uh, I would love to hear your thoughts just a little bit to begin our episode. Tell us a little bit about the history of this church, you coming on 23 years ago, 20, almost 24 years ago, um, as the pastor, as a senior pastor, and you've been here um, through a lot. Uh, I mean, it's over two decades of ministry here. Talk to us a little bit about Believers, uh, this particular history, uh, I- issue, and your
1: personal history with this. Well, when I came to Believers Baptist Church in 2000, it was July of 2000, um, I really did not know anything About the sovereignty of God. I um, just had grown up in church, um, had uh, been pastoring for, at that point, um, about 10 years, and um, had uh, been able to um, come to the church through a series of circumstances and uh, God sovereignly working to bring me here. And um, so when I came on, um, I was really just in the line of a lot of John MacArthur he was kind of my hero the one that I used many um, sermon preps for um, but there was a pastor here in town at Emory Baptist Church and he was um, a um, what we would call uh, a Calvinist he was a man who uh, believed in reformed theology and so he and I became good friends, and um, we talked a lot. He tried to help me to see uh, this doctrine, um, and he did help me to see it. I began to look and read uh, out of the scripture, uh, other books, listen, um, realize that this is what MacArthur was teaching. <laughs> I was about <laughs> hey, hold on. Yeah.
0: I was going to say your
1: MacArthur was one of your heroes. And you didn't know that he believed in the sovereignty of God, and he was a Calvinist. Well, it's a—it's one of those doctrines um, that's going to sound perhaps a little bit uh, exclusive, and I don't mean it this way, but it's one of those doctrines. When you see it, you see it, mm. and when you don't, you don't. Mm. And uh, that's a good word. I could, yeah. And so that's what happened. And so through the process of the friendship with this pastor, uh, who since has left Emory, and he's been gone for a long time. This would have been early 2000, so this would have been from 2000 to 2003, 2004. Uh, about the same time, my my middle brother, I have two younger brothers, my middle brother had come into this, and he, he had an influence uh, on me seeing it and trying to understand it and trying to grasp it. So I wrestled with it, honestly, and began to... to to see it more and more in Scripture, it really is all over the pages of Scripture. Not always explicit, but certainly uh, implied, um, and you can see it just in the narratives pretty clearly. Um, but you can see it also in the uh, New Testament epistles, pretty pretty clearly as well. But then I started preaching it and teaching it, and the people that were here uh, when we moved into this building in 2003. They had a a trust in me, and by God's grace, they listened. They began to become like Bereans. Mm. They studied. Praise uh, the Lord. They began to think through it, and um, nobody was throwing stones at me. Nobody left. Nobody was angry. They began to—they wrestled with it, and it was hard, and um, there were a lot of discussions, a lot of questions— and so from that point on, I just begin to preach it. And then we began to to um, emphasize it more and more in the life of the congregation uh, in terms of distinctives, in terms of a, a um, not a confession, but a... Uh, statement of faith. Statement of faith. And um, we just began to, to have conversations more and more with new members who were coming in about it. So um, that's really the history. It's something that I, I've struggled with. I still struggle with at times, you, you know, certain things happen and you forget that God is sovereign. And so you start feeling sorry for yourself and you whine and complain and you you do all the human things that we do. Um, uh, it's, it's been a, um, it's been a costly doctrine Mm. to me. Um, There's been a lot of people through the years who, um, especially when we come to the sovereignty of God and salvation, that um, would express great love and encouragement and be involved in the church and then, for whatever reason, reject it. And uh, I'm talked a lot about in our community, it's a small community, it's East Texas, so to hold to what you believe the scripture teaches um, causes you to be the topic of conversation. Even last night, my wife told me about, I was the topic of a conversation around the Sunday lunch table of um, a family that doesn't even attend our church. It wasn't a negative thing necessarily, but it was... Um, yeah. It was a, a conversation. So it's been costly in, in a lot of way. a lot of good friends, and uh, just have to continue to. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's certainly not. And Patrick, I'm going to ask you to speak a, just for a few minutes on your history uh, with this doctrine as well. But I think it's one of those, um, for me personally, I was – uh, not taught this as a kid. I was raised in church my whole life in the Southern Baptist world, and um, I I knew that God was big, and he was awesome, and he was, you know, all of those other words that we might use, uh, but uh, specifically this doctrine, uh, I didn't come to it until I was an adult as well. I was in ministry. I was in vocational ministry, and um, someone gave, interestingly enough, someone gave me a um, I believe my first, the very first thing I ever came in contact with with someone who was teaching this was a devotional by John MacArthur. It was uh, like a small devotional booklet that he had published, and um, I'm an avid reader, so I read it. and He has some footnotes, and I'm a footnote reader, and I started reading some some other folks, and it was it just blew me away, blew me away. I had never never experienced it. So for me personally. It was like a well. Of course, <laughs> I see it so clearly. The Bible teaches that. How can I not believe it? But it was still a. Uh, I immediately found that not everyone. Uh, they, I was excited about it mm-hmm. when I discovered it, but oh. I realized very quickly that that's not the case with everyone. No. And and so I I learned to <laughs> be careful sometimes when I spoke about it because I was excited about it. But uh, anyhow, it, go, it, go. <laughs>
1: it is it is um, once the Lord begins to help you to to kind of see the bigger picture of it. And mm-hmm. it, it, it does bring some comfort. It brings some peace. It yes. brings some hope. It brings some security. And we can talk about the benefits of um, of this doctrine as we work through the episode. But sure. Um,
0: and it, this may turn into a two part series or two part episode We we have a lot to cover. We want this to be helpful for the listener specifically, but um,
2: even in two parts, it won't be exhaustive
1: no. and comprehensive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're we are pushing it right now to get it into two episodes, right. a
2: year long series, and still <laughs> right. not exhausted. But so. hey,
0: hey, Patrick, would you please uh, just share? I know you've talked with me before um, personally, and I know that some folks at our church may know your story, but give just a synopsis, kind of what Jason did. Um, you're in your late twenties. Um, you've been in your ch- in church all your life. Give us your history with this doctrine and concept.
2: Yeah, um, mine is considerably different. Um, I grew up in a church under a pastor who was very strong in the doctrines of grace or Calvinism. Um, not to say it was perfect by any means, um, but I was exposed to it very, very young. Um, in fact, the one sermon that I remember much about from my youth was was uh, the pastor I grew up under, Charlie Otts, uh, preaching through Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and, and so it's been a, a very near and dear doctrine to me um, for most of my life. Um, and, and certainly um, I have grown in it over the years. I spent many years, um, especially as a, a young man, as a a teenager and a um Into my maybe very early 20s, um, kind of in a cage stage type uh, thought. And for those of you who don't know what cage stage means, explain that um, a little bit. It means that uh, these young and new Calvinists would be better off locked in a cage and put away for a few years um, after you come to the doctrines of grace. Why is Um, that? Because um, for whatever reason, in our fallen human state, um, when we come to a doctrine that should humble us, Uh, It instead has the effect of making us think we know everything and making us want to to fight and argue over it. And that's truly a shame. Um, But I went through that for several years. Um, You know, my my background was, it was a unique um, theology. It wasn't necessarily reformed. It was definitely Calvinistic and held to the doctrines of grace. Um, MacArthurite definitely followed John MacArthur closely, um, but it also, also had um, a very legalistic flavor uh, to it, kind of a fundamental uh, King James only type um, type thought um, that I was raised up in, and uh, by the grace of God, I've kind of come out of that and saw these doctrines as um, uh, truly a joy. That's that's what they are. They're a joy to us. Um, they make much of our God. Uh, they make much of Christ, uh, and they, when we remember who God is, that's it's just a comfort. Um, it so. makes little of us. Yes. M- little of us. Alistair Begg, right? Keep me in my humble place, <laughs> yes. or um, magnify your sovereign grace and keep me in my humble place. Yes,
0: yes. If you want to hear a good pastor on the on the interwebs, uh, listener who loves the loves a big God, listen to Alistair Begg. I can't commend him enough. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well,
2: do you have anything else you want to add to your story? No, that was. And then you came here,
0: right? You, yeah, uh, uh, my wife and I came
2: years here shortly after we got married, and um, yeah, we have grown in the church, and uh, you know, by the grace of God, have you know, are where we are now. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you guys both, um, Jason. I know this is a this is a, this is close to the chest for you, uh, close to the vest. You know that 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 sort of uh, idea with this doctrine. And um, and so I want us to kind of talk through, we have a church distinctive on our website. You can find all of them um, on bbcemory.org and then go down to, um, I think we have a tab called Church Distinctives or Distinctives that you can access all of them. But we're going to be talking through our page that we have there just a little bit, hitting some different high points. But before that, um, I want to quickly speak to I want to ask a question, pose a question to you both. Um, in light of the conversation that you guys have both and already been engaging in with your background and your history, I think the answer to this is evident, but I do want to ask it and ask you guys to respond. Is there a need or a reason for our church to have a public document, a public statement on
1: this doctrine,
0: specifically for uh, prospective
1: members? Absolutely. I, th- I think it is. And the, the reason that it came about was that uh, a distinctive is just basically a white page paper that explains these are the things that Believers Baptist Church hold to. This is what our elders agree with. This is what our congregation will hear and will also commit to. And so it would be a distinctive on deacons, on uh, family ministry, on eldership, and of course, um, this one, and there's about seven or eight or nine of those, but it came about because um, we w- we were trying to uh, understand who we were as a church, what I was becoming as a pastor, and I was growing in my understanding as I just related a little bit in the beginning of the episode. And so um, we had all kinds of people coming, one, because we had a new facility, number two, because... Our um, worship was um, more of a, of a modern, uh, contemporary worship style. Um, and I was new to the community, relatively new. And so I was out in the community and involved. And so people were coming. And they were coming from all experiences and backgrounds. And so we needed to be clear as to what, when they came, they would hear um, that way there would be no consternation and, you know, there would be no sense of um, betrayal as we thought you were one thing and you're something else.
0: Yeah. Would you say that this is uh, we have these distinctives in order not only to be transparent with folks, but also as a preventative measure to uh, maybe prevent a potential conflict? Um, with with potential church me- or pot- uh, prospective members right those it, would be that, that in is
1: part of it it's a lesser part I think it's the idea is for it to be helpful um, especially in our culture and it was just beginning back in those days to become more prominent more of a pattern of people's lives in searching for a church that they would look at the website. And so the distinctions then were put on the website so that people could have some sense of what they were, when they came through the front doors, you know, when you, a guest comes to a front door of a building, they don't know what's behind that door. They don't know what to expect. They don't know where they're going to sit. They don't know who's going to greet them. All of those uh, first-time visitor issues, right? But we were hoping to say, when you come, we want to welcome you. We're delighted that you're here but here's some of the things that you might hear. Here's who we are. Yeah, and hopefully this will be helpful to you as sure. you discern, does God want you to be a part of this church or is um, is this something that would be such a um, an obstacle to you that you felt like that you needed to be somewhere else?
0: Yeah, and I would say probably, I may be over-speaking, but for you, Patrick, for you and your wife, when you found out that this church... Uh, held to this doctrine it was probably um a um a friendly in a, in a metaphorical way a friendly face it was oh, something yeah, it that was, was positive um, for you
2: kind of shocking to us honestly um and kind of the context i grew up in it was almost i mean very small church and for many years a home church is what i attended and it was almost exclusivistic uh, you know there were no other Christians unless you believe this doctrine, and you're not going to find anybody that believes this doctrine unless you go to Southern California to MacArthur's church, right? Um, and so, you know, if after my wife and I got married, she was attending a Presbyterian church in, in Sulphur Springs, and I had went there with her for a little bit, but um, ultimately we were not Presbyterians, and wanted to find a church that we aligned with theologically. Um, so we started visiting, and uh, by the grace of God, this is the first place we visited. And um, it did not take long for us to hear the doctrines of grace here. And it was a, it was a drawing thing um, because it told me something about the God this church serves. Um, so it was a, a very comforting thing. But, yeah, with this, um, I mean, circling back to your question too, Duffy, uh, the need and the reason to have this statement, I think it's also important that we communicate that as Christians we, we love the truth, um, and as people who love the truth, we desire to be transparent about what we think the truth is. Um, so, you know, putting out there clearly and transparently for the world, what we believe is a very important thing to us. Um, it helps us, um, uh, to your point earlier, Jason, with having it on the internet, uh, it helps us, um, find other brothers and sisters that we align with. It helps them find us when they're moving to the area,
1: something like that. And, it's uh it's a good thing yes and and to let me follow up just one second because uh, it's not to say um, we've got all the truth, we have a monopoly on it, and everybody else is wrong. It's not to say Absolutely. Uh, we're better than you, this is just to say this is what we believe as a church, and we hold to these things, and sometimes it is costly um to us um but this is what we believe and we, we just want you to know with transparency who we are. And we, we talk about it all the time, you know, whether it's what I say in the membership class regarding a divorce or whether it's invitations to the elders' meetings at any time. We are invitations even for non-members to our members' meetings. Come and see who we are. That's part of the idea. So it's not... And we've used the word exclusive a couple of times. I've said it. You've said it, Patrick. Um, It's not to say we are exclusive and that we are above everybody. We just want you to know this is who we are. We'd love for you to come and be a part of the church.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And
1: and, and whatever degree of understanding or whatever struggle you're having with it, we want to come alongside you. We want to help you. This is not... um, hey we've got all the answers, so hopefully you can come get them from us if it if you take it in any way in that way, then um uh, we are not in any way wanting to communicate that. We are wanting to come along we're all on a pilgrimage let's help each other right yeah,
2: and uh, I was talking with both of you briefly before we we began recording, and um Archie Sproul and his um seminar. Series uh, called Chosen by God, where he handles this doctrine over the course of six or seven uh, lectures. Uh, He begins it uh, with wisdom in that he says this is a doctrine that we all ought to approach with an extra measure of grace. And that's true. And if we don't, um, we're right back to that cage stage type mentality that I was talking about earlier. because the reality is, it is a tough doctrine. It is a doctrine that uh, many people disagree with and has been a, a point of contention for, um, you know, far outside of our context.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Christians have been uh, dealing with this doctrine for a long time, not just in the last 20 years or 50 years or 100 years even.
2: Augustine and Pelagius, you know. Yeah, church history will. It's <laughs> helpful of years in, years in that.
0: Um, this has been a... Uh, This has been a point of contention for Christians for many, many
1: centuries. So let's talk about in general, that's what we're talking about, the sovereignty of God in general at this moment. Absolutely. Why would be, uh, what would be the, the pushback so heavily against the fact that God is sovereign? And how do we define God being sovereign? Well, I don't think most of the pushback would come in
2: general sovereignty. Um, that you know God orchestrates things that come to pass. Uh, certainly there is pushback, um, you know, trying to explain why there's the presence of sin and evil and why bad things happen and reconciling that with a good God. How do you do that? and uh, Of course, this is not the context for us to go in and explain that, um, but that is a common thing that people would push back back uh, back with, just generally speaking with God's sovereignty. Um, but usually, most usually of it, I would
0: say the thing that comes up is the problem of evil. Uh, right. s- uh, bad things happening in the world. I think that's probably, probably most a of it. lot of um, the issue in that. But
2: you won't <laughs> find a ton of pushback um, by uh, Christians on that because, really, to be God, you are sovereign. You're, you're, you're you are right. the sovereign. You're right.
1: Um, So you won't find most of the pushback there, but definitely there is some. Well, let me suggest this, though, because I think that there is some general pushback in the idea um, that we are comfortable and happy for God to be sovereign over the universe, over the stars, the sun, the moon, over the seasons. We're happy for God to be sovereign uh, over the nations uh, to some degree. Um, but what we begin to be, become uncomfortable with is that God is sovereign over the thoughts of my mind, over the words of my mouth. When it when it gets to me, <laughs> right. that's where it gets challenging, right? right? That is, that God is sovereign over where I live and where I work and what I'm doing today. And yeah. it, it, those those kinds of when it gets that personal, that close to us, then. I don't think it's an aggressive or violent kind of pushback, but it is a sense in which we're like, not sure I want to go there completely. I'm comfortable with God being the God of all the universes and sovereign over the universe. But when it comes down to my life stop it with this me day, right <laughs>
2: yeah um we do have that tendency
1: um That's we just definitely a human want tendency. to be
2: yeah, you know, it's, autonomous it's like
0: god you're you're awesome but i need my personal space right, right? <laughs> well and um
2: too it's definitely a, a human tendency and you'll find that universal if you will uh, i think it is pronounced a little bit more probably and in Americans, um, yes. <laughs> even more so in Texans, yes. right? right. <laughs> we are prideful Texans. If we
1: just we're are prideful Americans, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we are um, independent. Yeah. 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 But so anyway, that's, yeah. that's part of the, the, the pushback in the, uh, the thing that we're talking about as we have opened this episode is that the reason it's a difficult issue is because it, um, it, it sort of hits us in the face. It, when you begin to think of the reality of it, does, does God actually um, cause the good and the bad? Is he sovereign over the good and the bad? Is he sovereignly, providentially working in those circumstances? When you have an accident out of here on the highway, we're on Highway 19, our church is located here. When you know there's an accident and a mother and a two-year-old baby are killed, is God sovereign? When members of your congregation have cancer, is God sovereign? Is God sovereign over the president of the United States? Is God sovereign over the war in Israel? Is God sovereign over the fact that you and I, all three of us, are sitting right here in this room um, in twenty twenty four talking about mm-hmm. His sovereignty? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when when it, you know these then yeah. become the issues and the reality of it um, that that become difficult.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well. Um,
0: so here's what we're going to do, guys. This has been awesome conversation. We're going uh, to cut this episode off, and we're going to do a part two in just a moment. And so that'll come next week. But I'd love for you guys to spend just a minute or two, maybe Patrick, give a closing thought about the beauty and the majesty of God and his sovereignty as we end this episode. Uh, oh, you only have two minutes do, now. Do that in a closing <laughs> thought. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we'll save the whole issue about sovereignty and salvation for our second episode.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start the thought with a, a quote from A.W. Pink, uh, one of the old dead guys that's wonderful to read. Yeah, he's um, a,
0: by the way, if you're, if you're not read well read in this, uh, A.W. Pink has a classic book. Uh, on this topic, that is recommended by many, and it's one of the right. one of the main books on the issue in the recent history.
2: For sure, yeah, A.W. Pink his his book, The Sovereignty of God, is is very very good. But from that book, actually, um, there's a quote in it um, that says, "Divine sovereignty is not the sovereignty of a tyrannical despot, but the exercised pleasure of the one who is infinitely wise and good." And I think that's really the key to understanding all of this. Uh, The reality is we have a great and majestic and holy God who is perfectly sovereign, who orchestrates all things, who, as R.C. Sproul would say, um, has not allowed a single maverick molecule. And that, by itself, ostracized from the rest of what we know about God, should terrify us because we are not in control, ultimately. But the reality is we serve this God who is majestic and mighty in power, who is also perfectly good, who is perfectly wise, who lacks nothing and has all power to accomplish exactly what he purposes. And he has promised to purpose it for the good of the believer. Um, And that is where our comfort comes from in this doctrine. Um, There is no more comforting doctrine. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which we should rest our heads. Amen. Right? Um, That ought to give us ultimate comfort because our God can care for us far better than we can care for ourselves. And that's what's so rich and so wonderful about this doctrine. We have a wonderful God who loves us and he lacks nothing. So he will love us and he will care for us. I think that's a great way to end this
0: portion of the conversation. We will pick this up on our next uh, next week's episode. Thank you once again for listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, specifically this new members series on the sovereignty of God and the sovereignty of God specifically in the realm of our salvation. So join us next time for part two of this conversation.